And so I spiraled at that point. I just got to a new city in Cambodia, it was. And um, yeah, emotions just started to spiral. I went through periods of real anger and hate and then desperation and sadness. Mm pain and it just perpetuated and got worse and worse. I tried to go to bed, I couldn't, I'd come down and probably for a four hour period I just had this intense emotion that was obviously painful and just really didn't know what to do with myself. Luckily in the town I didn't know where the local bars were, I didn't know anything so I ended up as about two, three in the morning lying in bed and suddenly just dawned on me, why don't I pray? I've heard stories, I've been in church, I've heard stories about praying, I've heard mm. stories about God meeting you in the hour of need. So I just lay there, arms open on my bed and start to pray. And literally, as I turned my focus to God and prayer, I just felt this overwhelming sense of peace come over me, this sense of light, this sense of warmth, Welcome to What's the Story? My name is Matt Edmondson and this is a podcast full of stories about faith and courage from everyday people. And today I am chatting with the legendary Josh Burt about his Christian journey, challenges that he has faced and some of the lessons he has learned along the way. But before I get into all things like that, Josh, one of the things I love to do uh, is I love to just shout out about the sponsor of today's episode, which is Crowd Church. Yes, Crowd Online Church. You know as well as I do, not everybody wants to go to church and not everybody can get into a church building. And this is where online church works super well as it is a safe space to explore the Christian faith. And the thing that I love, 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 love about Crowd Church is that you get to join in and shape the conversation as they don't just talk at you. So if you've never been to church before, or if you're looking for a new church, check out Crowd Church. The website is www.crowd.church, uh, or you can email me directly at matt at crowd.church with any questions that you have. Yes, you can. So let's talk about Josh. Josh is, well, he's just an all-round top geezer. He is a husband, uh, a father to two beautiful kids, and works as a physiotherapist at Older Hay Hospital. He used to be an avid cricketer, but let's not hold that against him. And he's also a big fan of LFC, despite the season not going that well. Uh, and before we hit the record button, Josh also said that he's just gone and deleted everything to do with Facebook. So I'm keen to dig into that. Josh, welcome to What's the Story. Great to have you here, man. How are you doing? Thank you for having me, Matt. Yeah, great to be here. Doing well, thank you. Good, good, good. And the, it's fair to say that uh, as we're recording this, the kids have just gone to bed. Will they will they remain in bed or is it is it touch yeah. and go? No, they're generally good. They'll definitely stay in bed. Whether the older one shouts out for an extra little cuddle might might happen, but uh, my wife's got that covered. Uh, <laughs> very good. How old are the kids? Uh, oldest one is four now, started school in September, and the uh, wow. youngest sister is two. Wow, so you've got very young kids, and you've. How long have you been married? Uh, coming up seven years in April. Yeah. Wow. wow. So you got the proper family going on now, haven't you? It's fair to say that the, I've known you for the longest time, and um, you've you've grown up in uh, 
what can only be described from the outside as quite a fun but slightly lunatic family uh, that, do you know what I mean? With, you've got your mum and dad who are just the most beautiful people on the planet and then obviously there was the four brothers. Um, and yeah, just uh, always, always loved, from the outside looking in, always looked at the Birch family and just thought it was fantastic. Was it actually like that growing up in the Birch family? Yes, it was. Yeah, three older brothers, always kept busy, always, you know, striving to be at their level. I think it brought me on in, in my sports life in lots of things I did. I was always being challenged at a higher level for having three older brothers. And yeah, I loved it. As you said, my mum and dad are brilliant. Um, looking back on it now and being a parent, you can look back and see, you know, how blessed I was growing up to have such great parents, such stability and a, a loving home. So, yeah. I look back at it with very fond memories indeed. Yeah, I bet you do. I bet you do. So you're, I, I, I mean, I know your mum and dad and you guys from uh, church. We, we sort of grew up in the same church. But did you, um, I mean, I, I obviously kind of know the story, but this is a podcast yeah. called What's the Story? So I think we should probably <laughs> share with everybody else. Did you grow up then in this Christian uh, home as a Christian? Uh, I'd answer that yes and no. In that, yes, it was a, a Christian household. My parents were always Christians. They became Christians in university and then obviously went on to have a family. So I, mm. I've never known them as Christians. Um, and definitely Christian principles throughout the home. We did always attend church and we moved up to Liverpool from Bristol to, to help with the, the planting of Frontline Church, um, which is a big church in Liverpool. Um, so yeah, I think I always had Christian beliefs. I always, I would always say I believed that there was a God. Mm. Um, but I guess growing up for most people, going through teenage years, you, you question a lot of things, you question life. I thought the Bible was outdated. I didn't think it was relevant to today. Um, you know, I thought certain practices in church you'd call hypocritical and this and that and kind of fell away a little bit. Um, through that stage, I then hit 16, 17, and obviously there's lots of other different things that come into life at that age, and many distractions, and yeah. would probably say I fell away, went to university, and yeah, I, 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 I wasn't living a Christian lifestyle, I wasn't in relationship with God, so yeah, I, I wouldn't have said I was a Christian, but would have still, I still believed in God, but there was mm. no, no relationship there. What does that mean to you when you say there's no relationship there? I think looking back on it now, and a lot of people describe it as head knowledge and heart knowledge. I think I had head knowledge from going to church, from listening to my parents, to you know, listening to preachers up on the stage about yeah. what Christianity is, who God is, you know, who Jesus is, and and what He did for us. Um, so I knew that, but I, I wouldn't say it was. It, it didn't have any emotional connection to me. That's probably the best way of putting it. I, it was head knowledge. I knew about it, but it hadn't sunk into my heart. I hadn't realized the significance of what that actually meant for me yeah. in my life in a day-to-day -day way. Yeah. So what, so what happened then to cause that switch? Because obviously, I mean, you go to church now. Sorry, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> so obviously, there was, a, there was a change and there was a shift at some point. So what, what happened for you to go from this, this place of not being in relationship with God and head knowledge move into heart knowledge? So it was quite a 
um, pinpoint moment in time. Um, so I finished university. I was in between jobs, just starting to get into my physio career. Um, and my girlfriend at the time I'd been with for five years, we'd had our ups and downs, but we're still together. We chose to go traveling. So we went out to Southeast Asia. Um, I couldn't actually uh, get out there at the same time she was because I'd just been offered a new job and I thought I'd take it. Anyway, I got to time, we went out there. Um, and actually, I think it was two weeks before I was due to go out there, we spoke on the phone, decided to call it a day. And oh, so wow. broke up, yes. Um, which looking back on it now was the right thing to do, but I'm kind of an internal optimist. I always look for the best in things and think, no, it'll get better, it'll get better, we can work on the bar, blah, blah. Um, but anyway, we decided to call it a day. And so I ended up heading out to Southeast Asia for six weeks on my own, having just broken up from a five week, five year relationship. So not in the best headspace, shall we say, to, to go <laughs> start kidding, those yeah. travels. Um, Luckily, I had some friends out in Thailand that I met up with for the first couple of days, and that helped. And then anyway, progressively, it it just got more and more difficult to be on my own in that space. It only takes you having a couple of evening meals by yourself to kind of feel very alone, very vulnerable, mm. especially out in a, in a foreign country. Um, then while I was out there, I found out some information that I really didn't want to know about that kind of broke my heart um, and in the same instance got me very angry um, and so I spiraled at that point I just got to a new city in Cambodia it was and um, yeah emotions just started to spiral I went through periods of real anger and hate and then desperation and sadness, mm. pain, and it just perpetuated and got worse and worse. I tried to go to bed, I couldn't, I'd come down, and probably for a four hour period, I just had this intense emotion that was just pretty can much I, um, Can I ask what was the news that caused you to spiral? Yeah, um, basically I, <laughs> I was still able to log on to my ex-girlfriend's Facebook account, and for some reason decided to log on and look at her messages which showed that she had been with with other men um in that time so so yeah so found out that information right. um which yeah was obviously painful mm -hmm. um So where was I? Yeah, so I went through that that pain, painful feelings, painful um, time. Was lying in bed, coming up and down, in and out um, of of the room, and just really didn't know what to do with myself. Luckily, in the town, I didn't know where the local bars were. I didn't know anything, so I, I thankfully didn't go down that route. Um, and then ended up as about two, three in the morning, lying in bed, and suddenly just dawned on me, why don't I pray? I've heard stories, I've been in church, I've heard stories about praying, I've heard mm. stories of God meeting you in the hour of need, so I just lay there, arms open on my bed and start to pray. And literally, as I turned my focus to God and prayer, I just felt this overwhelming 
sense of peace come over me, this sense of light, this sense of warmth. It, I was almost taken back and I had to remind myself, oh, keep praying, I want this to continue. So I was like, what on earth is this? And just, mm. it, it was just amazing. And when I think back on it now, it does give me shivers. It still just reminds me of how amazing that was. Um, so yeah, straight away I felt at peace. All that anger, all that tension, all that pain I was storing up inside was just released, it was gone. And then I carried on praying, I carried on talking to God, if you like, speaking to Jesus, feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit over me. Um, and light bulbs started to go off in my head. In, in our relationship, I think it was in the third year I had gone to Africa and I had cheated on um, my girlfriend then. Um, and I tried, I told her the truth eventually and we tried to work through it, but it, it broke trust, it made it difficult. Mm -hmm. And then having that same experience come back on me with the same girl just highlighted to me how painful that is and mm. gave me a very valuable lesson to learn um, in terms of respecting women and your girlfriend's wife um, a lesson that I hold to this day and and thank god that I, I did learn that lesson because I, I can completely appreciate the pain it causes now yeah. um, and through all that I, I, I had emailed the girlfriend so to be fair to her she was amazing she traveled four hours on the bus the wrong direction because we had met up in in mm. camp where we were to come and sort out and speak to me so i think she was a, a bit nervous of what she was going to meet when she came and then to find out that i had you know experienced god through it all and found my faith and a personal relationship and forgave her and everything was was quite a shock to her at the time yeah no um, kidding yeah and yeah now we're still friendly it's all yeah there was there was no grudges if you like held mm. and then i spent the rest of, rest of those six weeks traveling and and that was the start of my personal relationship with 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 god if you like so that's a heck of a story josh uh, finding yeah. god in cambodia who knew he was there uh, you had to go all that way to find him right um and so you've, you've you've sort of had this experience with God, as maybe we'd say in the church, you, you know, you've had an encounter with the Holy Spirit there in your room in Cambodia. You sense God, you start to find your faith um, and reestablish yourself as a Christian over those weeks in Cambodia. Yeah. What was that phone call to mum and dad like? Because for five, six, seven years, you've not been living that way. Your, your mum and dad are fairly... You know they, they've obviously got vibrant relationships with god but and they're praying that you obviously discover christ at some point in your walk with yeah. life so what was that phone call like to be honest man i don't i don't think i called them and told them <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think back do they do they know yet <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes they know sorry and I, I i think this is also this was also the change for me in trying to change relationships within our family. Although from the outside, like you said, you looked and the Birch family was whatever you thought it was, mm. which it was in many accounts, but we were not. And yeah, looking back, we probably weren't an emotional, healthy family in terms of there was the, the surface level emotion, but it, it wouldn't go that deep, if you like, if we had issues, concerns, you know, four lads, 
it wasn't sitting down with a box of tissues trying to get through it. It was like, no, you know, we'll yeah. just we'll get on with it. We don't really need to say anything. And that was kind of it, especially for me as well when it came to girlfriends. I I I used to pour my emotions into my girlfriends rather than mm. family, parents, brothers. Um so then when I broke up with a girlfriend, I was kind of left with no one to talk to. And I'd be like, ah, crap, what do I do? Um, so, yeah, so it highlights to me that, that lack of deeper, you know, emotional connection with my family. And, and that was probably the start of me reaching out and trying to get a deeper relationship with my brothers and with my mum and dad. Mm. Um, so, so, yeah, I, was, I, I probably I'm still not ever one to sit on the phone and chat for a while so this is quite a new experience for me as well matt to, uh, <laughs> sit here for more than five minutes and actually talk to someone um so yeah what was i saying yeah that was the start of me reaching out and trying to mm. bring more, uh, deeper relationships with my brothers and my parents so yeah in cambodia i, I wasn't on the phone the next day going yeah. wow listen to this i think i was still trying to process it in my own head um i did reach out to one of my brothers and tell him that i was struggling because I, I didn't even tell my mum and dad that me and my girlfriend had broken up before I went out there. I just mm. announced like via text while I was out there. And then amazingly, when I said, you know, three weeks in, I was struggling being on my own a bit. My, um, one of my brothers just dropped what he was doing and flew out and met me and spent two weeks traveling around Laos oh, and wow. Vietnam. So, which was amazing. And yeah, yeah. checked that time to this day, which was great. Yeah, no kidding. So, rewind before you go to Cambodia then. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I'm kind of curious, what was it like living as a someone who didn't really have a relationship with God in a house where your parents clearly did? Was there any, um, and I'm not looking for dirt here, Josh, I'm just, I'm aware that there, this is quite an obvious, uh, this is quite a common thing for a lot of people. You know, you've got Christian parents, but you're not a Christian. How do you, how do you find a way to live without winding each other up, you know, and that, that whole side of things. So what was it like for you? Yeah. I'm kind of curious. Um, yeah, no, it was good. And I think my parents soon realized they, they couldn't push or force us into doing anything. Mm. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, there was no real conflict. They they could see I was living, you know, a healthy lifestyle in terms of playing sport, in terms of having good relationships with friends and with girlfriends and stuff like that. That I, I wouldn't, I wasn't probably doing anything that they were worried about. Maybe some over drinking at times mm. and celebrating or whatever, um, but never to the point where we batted heads and that I couldn't be doing this in their house. Um, and they would always just ask nicely, Josh, do you want to come to church this morning? And I'd make my excuses, but there was never any pressure or disappointment in me in doing mm. that. Um, which I guess looking back now as a father, it's hard because I think about my kids now and think, oh no, you know, you, mm. you think you know what's best and you want to try and push it on them. But yeah, I respect my mum and dad for doing that and letting us kind of almost find our own journey. And uh, I, looking back on it now and speaking to them, they were always praying for me. So, yeah. you know, they were always praying for me out when I was traveling or when I was doing mm. anything. And, you know, their prayers were, were covering me in that situation. Mm. 
Yeah. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because like you say, I mean, I've got kids, you've got kids, and you kind of you kind of think, I wonder how I would respond in that situation. And I, I, I part of me hopes I don't have to find out, you know. Yeah. It's that kind yeah. of... Um, but I... Do you think, looking back on it then, now your mum and dad handled that situation well? Um, yeah, yeah, because I think if they pushed, I would have just pushed back harder. I, mm. I was 16, you know, finding myself. Sorry, 16 was probably the point where I fell away from going to church. I think in those early teenage years, they made us go because... Mm we were kids, we were young, they didn't want to leave us in the house mm. on our own, whatever it was, they, they, they would tell us to come. Once we hit 16 and I had GCSEs, I used to use Sunday mornings while it was quiet to do my revision, my study, mm. um, and they would just ask nicely, do you want to come, offer it, offer mm. it, offer it. Sometimes I would, sometimes I wouldn't, um, but no push on it, and they would pray, and they would like us to get together and pray, you know, over certain situations, and again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. No, I think I think it was probably the right thing to do. Yeah, I don't look back on it thinking any regret or thinking things yeah, going to yeah. be different. So yeah, no, I think it was the. Well, I mean, it's obviously worked out well in the end, anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah you know. Definitely. So, um, so you come back to England. Um, you are a physiotherapist, like you say, older hay, um, and you, you sort of get stuck into work. Do you start getting stuck back into church at this point? Yeah, yeah. So came back, I started telling some friends and family, um, started getting stuck back in, well, started to get back into going to church. Um, and it was amazing, those first few I remember now going to church, like the first worship song I hear, it was like God was speaking directly to me. The first preach, I was like, man, is, does he know what's just gone on in my life? What he's talking about is like resonating so strongly with me. I was like, who's tipped him off about this? And you know, the preacher and what he's saying. Um, it, it, yeah, it was just amazing for like that first month, just the, the head knowledge turned to heart knowledge and then all the light bulbs going off and what God was trying to teach me through my experiences so far and you know, yeah. you know the direction and where you want to take me and all this so it was it was an exciting time um so yeah I got stuck going got got back stuck into going into church and, yeah, yeah. and getting linked in with um community groups and different things yeah so what were some of the challenges you faced because you must have been what in your mid-20s maybe 24 25 at this point and and yeah so what were some of the challenges you faced about getting involved with church at that point that you had to sort of deal with? Um, I guess it was, it was striking the balance of, of still living in the real world, if you like, and, and being a part of the church and Christian lifestyle. Yeah. One part of me was like, let's just leave my old life behind get stuck into going to church, go to church football teams, go to church this, go to church that. And then uh, I kind of felt God speak to me saying, no, that's not what what I want you to do. I want you to be this new version of Josh, if you like, the new Christian Josh, but in your, still in your, in your life, still in my cricket club, still in my football club, still within yeah. work. Um, and, and if you like, be the salt and light within those areas, mm. try and bring, bring you know this newfound love of jesus in into those areas rather than just leave it all which obviously then comes with challenges because 
they've known me for 15 years as Josh, the non-Christian, if you like. So suddenly yeah. I'm going there being someone different and, and, and that, that's, yeah, it's a challenge, isn't it? <laughs> it definitely can be. Yeah, there's no doubt. And so, um, so how did you deal with that? How did you, how did you make that work? Um, thankfully I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm quite a confident person and I'm confident in who I am. And I think again, that's a blessing that my parents have bestowed upon me with, with the security they've given me in my, in my yeah. home and my upbringing. Um, and I, I guess I was just honest with my friends. I was just honest and said, look, this is what I want to do now. I've tried that past life. They know what I've been doing. And I just said that that didn't make me happy. I found this that is making me happy. But I was still able to have fun with them. I was still like, for instance, the cricket is a big one. Um, within a men's changing room, there's many things said and done that aren't, yes, exactly uh, great ways to live your life or whatnot. Um, <laughs> not family viewing. Uh, you Exactly, not family yeah, yeah. viewing. Um, so I, I think it was a year or two years after I became a Christian, I got voted in to be the, the cricket club captain of the club. So then I could kind of impose my, not impose, probably a stronger word, but to, you know, I'm the captain. So what yeah. I says goes, if you like, so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm how I believe the team and I was captain for the club for five years. Um, I managed to, to, yeah, change that that dressing room culture and 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 bring in a bit more family viewing, if you like, into 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 that situation. And I, I hope the lads looking back now and respected me for that and and found that um, a, a good in, intervention into the club and into the into the cricket team. Yeah, and yeah. It did, I, I built good relationships with them, and and it, yeah, it was a really good time. Well, very good. So looking back now then, you've been married, you said, about seven years, which is a, a, obviously a, a different experience to uh, going out to Asia, right, where you've just broken up with your girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of curious then, th there's had to have been a change of thinking. Let me just put it that way, right? You, there are some things you have had to undo in your head uh, where relationships are concerned, maybe. How did how did you go about doing that? Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah, that was probably one of the other big challenges. Was as as I alluded to earlier that a lot of my emotional relationship came from being in with with a girlfriend. So yeah, I guess from the age of fifteen, I'd always been in relationships. Um, and then suddenly uh, I was mid-twenties in a career, starting to earn some proper money and um, was then trying to live a, a Christian lifestyle and be respectful and all that with, within relationships and trying to find the, the right woman to... Um, to, to 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 go into relationship with um and very much felt this was a weakness 
or an area of weakness where I could be attacked, if you like. We talk, you know, the spiritual battle attacked, the devil could, you know, really mm. get to me at this point. And looking back, there were lots of offers, lots of female interest. And I think, you know, as soon as I say, no, thank you, I'm trying to live this certain way, it almost makes it more of a challenge. And, and yeah. girls would, would, would be even more attracted to you when you're, not living that lifestyle if you like so that was that was quite hard for me to try and remain focused on what my end goal was and not just enjoy the moment um in that circumstance if you like yeah yeah my fair play fair play so you i mean you're you're married to alice now who's just a beautiful lady and we know and love and adore um but it's fair to say that um well why don't you just tell the story uh, about you and alice because i think it's interesting given where you yeah. come from uh, what actually happened and you ended up getting married yeah so it's a yeah it's a little mini testimony in itself um for those that you that don't know my mum and dad have a lovely old victorian house eight bedrooms we've always grown up with lodgers and lots of people coming in and out of the house through the church through various people sorry um, it's probably worth just pointing out that lodgers to our american cousins is roommates roommates they i always get yeah. asked what's a lodger uh, when i talk uh, about having lodgers so yeah sorry just translating you crack on yeah no worries um so yes, yeah, so that, that that was our house. Um, what am I talking about? Yeah, so Alice. Alice was a family friend um, who my mum and dad knew better than me. She worked in the same school my mum worked. She was going through a tough time of her life um, and really just needed somewhere to stay because she had nowhere to live and fallen out with her parents. Various things was in, well, she'll say the lowest point of her life. Yeah. Um, so she knew my mum and dad had lodgers, you know, took, took roommates in. Um, and asked my mum, can I just move in for two weeks to get myself sorted and and then um, I'll move on. So my mum said, no worries, she came in. She ended up staying for four years. Um, <laughs> so yes, two, two, two weeks turned into four years, um, of which we were housemates, friends, got to know each other very well. Uh, when she moved in, obviously, like I said, she was in the lowest point of her life. This was only a few months after what I had just um, described in terms of mm. Cambodia and all that. So I was certainly not looking for a relationship or anything. I was just trying to get my relationship with God sorted first. So so that I was in a healthy place to then start a, a new relationship. Um, so very quickly, we just became friends um, and then got to know each other very well. We had both dated various people through that four-year period that didn't work out short-term, and we had friends and close friends always say, why aren't you two just going to start going out? Why aren't you two together? And we'd always look at each other and go, uh, no, no, definitely, no, no, or maybe no, because we just used to wind each other up. Um, <laughs> I find that it, hard to believe, Josh. Yeah, and then it got to that four-year point, and I was being discipled by um, a great man, Mr. Marshall, Mm. Um, he basically just who's told been me, on what's the story actually uh, you can check out Al Marshall's episode yeah yeah the need really, to encourage really. men uh, ironically yes. was the name of his podcast there you go very wise man who said Josh just make a list make a list of what you're looking for in your potential wife and and you know pray about that to God so I started making that list and I wrote it down and as I looked through that list I was like wow Alice ticks 
every one of those boxes. I'm like, what is going on here? I was like, oh. And I used to treat her like my little sister. I used to wind her up, um, do unpleasant things like fart near her because I knew it annoyed her, all that sort of thing. <laughs> and yes, used to wind her up a lot. So I thought, right, we were heading out to France for a holiday. I thought, let's, let's change my re- re- um, response to her, if you like. Let's be nicer let's have better conversations let's engage blah blah mm. let's see because I, I knew all these things but again it was all in my head i didn't have that that heart i didn't have that oh i love this girl if you like mm. Mm. and literally within a week of doing that out in france i fell head over heels and like oh my goodness i really like this girl i really really like this girl um so came home from france sat in the bed and kind of asked her out and she just looked at me like almost scared and didn't say anything. I was like, oh my goodness, oh no, I've ruined it, blah, blah, blah. But basically she was scared because she had built such a good relationship with our family and my mum and dad and everything that if we didn't work out, um, she would lose all that. Yeah. But as I, as I always say to her, if we didn't work out, my mum would have kicked me out before she kicked me out. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Which is so, probably quite true, actually. It no, is. It yeah, is. Yeah. Yes, my mum always wanted a daughter, yeah. She had four boys, so Alice could have been that surrogate daughter. Yep, yep, no um, doubt. No doubt. So that and was so in that- the August. So we started dating in the August. In November, I proposed. She said yes, and in April we were married. And wow, that was nearly seven years ago. Yeah. yeah, I was I was there at the wedding, man. I have photographs and everything of uh, that beautiful, yeah. auspicious day. So yes, no, beautiful. So um, so there's a great story, isn't there? A great story of redemption here, which um, brings everything full circle. But it's fair to say, uh, if I can summarise, Josh, after becoming a Christian, you had to work through some things before yeah. you could. Um, uh, go through that and I totally empathize with that because I was uh, I was the same way I had to for me relationships was the biggest thing because I didn't be, I didn't grow up as a Christian I became a Christian later in my life yeah. and I had to I had to relearn I suppose what God thought about relationships versus what I thought about relationships and it turns out my my thoughts about relationships were quite a little bit different to the good <laughs> lords um, yeah. and so I had to do that thing of what the Bible says which is renewing your mind isn't it you had to change yeah. your thinking and um, and figure out you know his way uh, and, the, yeah. and the right response so you and Alice get married is it all sunshine and rainbows since that day of course, Matt. Haven't you seen the Hollywood movies? <laughs> We've lived happily ever after. Never argued, never done No. Um, it, it, well, it's inter- in terms of full circle, we actually have bought into the idea of communal living, multi-generational living. So we now live in this wonderful Victorian house with eight bedrooms with my mum and dad. Alice saw the vision of having lodges and helping mm. people out. She needed that help, you know, seven years ago. Sorry, no, seven, 11 years ago it would have been. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's been great. Obviously, living in a big household, newlyweds, and then with young children has its, its issues, but the benefits far outweigh, far outweigh the negatives. And we're definitely blessed to live with, with great parents and yeah. uh, we have foreign language students and all different people come through the house, which is which is really really fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. With me and Alice, like with any relationship, it's you, you got to work at it to make it work. Um, mm. 
and and yeah, but it is has been a blessing. We've been blessed with two amazing kids. Uh, second born Ada was born with a congenital heart defect and Down syndrome, which we were told about at the twenty week scan. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously at the time that was devastating news, and it was a lot yeah. to work through. And I really I have so much empathy for people who have to have to go through that without knowing God, because the support that we had from from the church community, from our prayer yeah. life, from from scripture, from knowing that God was there through it all, mm. it, it is what got us through. Um, and we are blessed beyond belief to have this little girl in our life. She is such a blessing. Just her smile lights up the room. Oh, um, there's no doubt. Yeah, yeah, she's amazing. Um, she's very flexible too. I'm oh, always amazed at how she can get her legs into all those different <laughs> positions. It's unreal. Well, Alice is 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 flexible, and then children with Down syndrome are known to be flexible as well. Right. So I think got. Her mother's flexibility, along with the Down syndrome flexibility, so she just, yeah, she just pops her legs out wherever <laughs> she wants. And yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's proper crazy. So, um, and then to add, I mean, just to bring this sort of full circle, um, your your dad had a heart attack recently as yeah. well, didn't he? Yeah, certainly did. That was a, a yeah. Yeah, we were out in France um, this summer, and he's he's had some heart issues over the years. His dad unfortunately passed away at the age of sixty-five, I think it was, from a major mm. heart attack. I think I was six at the time, um, and yeah, it was just me, Alice, the kids, mum and dad in France, and I was woken up at half seven in the morning to my mum screaming my dad's name. Ran in to find him unresponsive on the bed. He. Pretty much had a major heart attack and was probably clinically dead, if you like, had passed away. There was no pulse. He wasn't breathing. His lips had gone mm. blue. Um, so we just shot into into defib mode, if you like. Luckily, I, I have done my um, CPR training in work. Mm. Um, and... Five years ago, I did a uh, enhanced CPR training, if you like, and decided to get a defib machine so that we could have it out in France because they're quite um, isolated and remote out there. Um, so anyway, jumped to that mode. I started doing CPR. My dad, Alice, called the um, called nine 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 or whatever the number was over in France, and my mum ran out to the van to get the defib machine. And all three of us working together managed to shock my dad back and get a heart rhythm. And then we ended up having 11 paramedics in the bedroom um, there to help um, pull him through. Uh, and yeah, and he's, he's fine. He had two stents fitted in the French hospital and is now pretty much back to full health and is, is in the house now watching TV, thankfully. <laughs> causing mayhem yeah. and chaos still mayhem and chaos still yeah i mean yeah it's it, it is amazing and yeah so so again the 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 support and love we got from our church family well everyone but mm. church particularly with the prayer and support i was i mean the first thing i did was call nick harding who's one of my dad's best friends and you know a senior pastor um, and just say, while I was over, my dad pretty much doing CPR, just saying, Nick, this has happened. Please pray. Please tell people to pray. 
and hung mm. up. And then just the, 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 I mean, that just spread then to yeah, well, ac- across the world. I think people in all corners of the world were praying just from Nick sending out a few texts and then it's spreading. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the stats say that I think it's one out of 10 people who have heart attacks outside of hospital setting make it. Um, mm. So the percentages were against my dad, but thankfully through prayer and uh, God's blessing through through me and Alice being there because mm. we were due to drive home that morning. And, you know, if it happened three hours later, we wouldn't have been there. And I think my mum would have struggled to do everything on her own. The yeah. fact that we had defib, just loads of things. You could go, I could go into quite a lot of detail of how the Lord had put in a lot of things over the yeah. years for that moment not to be my dad's last moment so yeah it's quite an amazing story we should probably get him on the podcast to talk about it at some point because it is quite an amazing yeah. story and i think public service announcement announcement defibs are are great uh, if you it certainly are know where your nearest defib is uh, is my yeah. top tip um yeah. but that was a stroke of i think i said to you that was a stroke of genius getting that uh defib at that time and it's only in hindsight that you realize isn't it actually that was a, a smart thing yeah so Josh, I'm curious as we wrap up the podcast, right? You've you've gone through this whole relationship thing, and you've come out of it the other end with a beautiful bride. Yeah. You have two beautiful kids. One, uh, your youngest daughter has Down syndrome um, and is extraordinarily flexible. Uh, yeah. And your dad, um, who is the very definition of mayhem and chaos, uh, is is sort of you know mayhem and chaosing now. But that's a lot to go through. Right. Yeah. Um, for you personally. So I'm curious in all of that, what's the learning? What's your sort of your takeaway, your one message, if you like, that you've come away with having gone through a whole a whole raft of stuff? Wow. That's a that's a big question. Um, uh, I guess looking back on it now, probably just focus on what you know to be true. And for mm. me, you know, taking that head knowledge to heart knowledge, I know Jesus is true, his teaching us are true, what he tells us is true. So so through those tough times, it would have been quite easy to try and do it, you know, to go through it by myself, to go, no, I'll do this by my own. But it, through sticking to his teachings, reading, praying, being in discipleship, being in community, you know, that's what's got us through all these yeah. times. Um, so sticking to what you know is true through through the Bible and Jesus' teachings mm. and and don't do it on your own. Yeah. Don't need to. Yeah. Talk about it. Yeah. Speak to people. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Josh, listen, man, uh, there are so many questions and I wish I could get into a little bit more, but um, unfortunately time is now currently against us. Yes. So... I just want to reach out to say thanks, man, for coming on to the, the podcast and sharing your story. Um, My pleasure. Thank this you. Is, is awesome. And it's great to see, having known you for a little while now, it's great to see you and the growth that you've gone on. And um, I thought you were going to say the great airs then. Like, oh, well, let's go with those as well. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be just a little known fact. Josh and I used to work out together and he could always lift heavier weights than me, which I was always slightly miffed about, except yeah. when it came to deadlifts. Uh, I always yeah. managed to do that. Uh, but shoulders was you, legs was me. And so, you know, I guess we balanced it out. Um, but no, it's 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 been awesome to see you grow. And 
um, watch the story of Josh Birch unfold, really, and totally inspiring the fact that you always got a smile on your face and a heart for people despite everything that's going on in life. So it's been great getting you on, man. You're an absolute legend. Oh, yes, you are. Your wife is beautiful too. So, you know, you're a lovely couple. Um, if you would like to reach out to Josh, if you want to connect with him, you can do that through the Crowd Church website. Just go to crowd.church uh, and just connect with us through the little box. And while you're there, why not sign up to our newsletter? Uh, yes, uh, and we'll send you all the notes and links totally for free. So. Big thanks again to Josh. Uh, what a great conversation uh, that was. Huge, huge thanks. You're an absolute legend. Now, remember to check out Crowd Online Church at www.crowd.church. Even if you might not see the point of church, we are a digital church on a quest to discover how Jesus helps us live a more meaningful life. We are a community, a space to explore the Christian faith and a place where you can contribute and grow and you are welcome at Crowd Church. Seems like Josh has got off. <laughs> I've just noticed that Josh has disappeared. He's just, he's just, normally people just hang around. Uh, he's obviously just didn't want to hear the end. Anyway, uh, be sure to subscribe to What's the Story, wherever you get your podcast from, because we've got some great stories lined up and I don't want you to miss any of them. And in case no one's told you yet today, you are awesome. Yes, you are. It's just a burden you have to bear. God created you awesome, created me awesome, created Josh awesome, who's, who was there, has now gone. Uh, <laughs> that's never happened before. Uh, What's the Story is produced by Crowd Online Church. You can find our entire archive of episodes on your favorite podcast app. The team that makes this show possible is Sadaf Bainon, uh, Josh Catchpole, Estella Robin, and Tim Johnson. Our theme song was written by josh edmondson and if you would like to read the transcript or show notes head over to the website www.crowd.church where as i said you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter and get all of this good stuff direct to your inbox totally free that's it that's it from me thank you so much for joining us on the what's a story podcast i will see you next time uh, from me and from josh who's disappeared bye for now